0: Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information.
1: Last weekend, Chrissy and I had to make a quick trip to South Mississippi. Um, her mom was having a knee or sur- a hip surgery in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, which is kind of uh, no big deal. Uh, everything went great, but on the way back, we were going over uh, the bay in Mobile, and I could hear a little sound in the dash of our car, and it sounded like a kind of like a fan, just something. Off in the car. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, you're not sure what to do, so you just keep going forward. So as we're driving along, it would, the sound would come and go. I noticed some things on my back window, and, you know, Alabama roads can be rough. Um, the back windshield of our SUV was getting dirty. And uh, there were some rough roads. So I was thinking maybe the dust. But by the time we got about 20 miles south of Montgomery, the car overheated. It had a warning signal that happened so fast, I really don't know what it says other than pull over, shut the car off. It's overheated. In an instant, I pulled to the shoulder And I looked down, and I thought, there's an exit half a mile up ahead. When I looked at my RPMs, the car was already off. So I was coasting on the shoulder. I coasted on the shoulder. I coasted up the ramp. It was almost as if God had sent some kind of wind, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe he did, but it felt like, oh my goodness, we're going to make it to the gas station. And that's where we made it. We made it to a flying J truck stop. And um, sitting there on the, at the gas station, I thought, thank goodness we're not on the shoulder of the interstate. So from there, I went to the garage. Next door, they had a truck garage, and the guy couldn't work on it, but I got some water and poured it in the radiator after it cooled off, and water flowed straight through the water pump. And, um, you know, it's in those times that you think, where am I going to turn? What am I going to do? I'm in the middle of nowhere, This isn't even a town. What am I going to do? So, you know, I phoned some friends. I I started trying to think of a plan. Should I get a trailer and rent a car and haul it back and all this stuff? And the guy at the garage said, I can get it towed. I, I can get it towed and you can get it to Montgomery. They'll tow it to the Chevrolet dealership. You know, and it'll cost $115 if you pay cash. And I thought, that sounds pretty cheap. Send it, you know. Um, Being leery of a Chevrolet dealership, not that I'm leery of car dealers or car dealerships, but I know the price I'm going to pay. And uh, I like to do business where I know people and I know me. I feel like there's a level of, more of a level of trust. So we had the car towed. Chrissy and I rode in a hot tow truck with a tow truck driver that, Honestly, he had a pump knot over his eye. Uh, It was a rough, rough ride. No air conditioner and the heat from the motor of the tow trucks just blowing up on us. And I kept thinking, well, at least we got a ride. We get to the dealership and the service manager is propped up on his desk. It closes at 3.00. And it was 2.30. He was propped up on the desk watching college football. I don't blame him, but that's what he was doing. So I went to him. I said, hey, we just got towed in 20 miles south of Montgomery. You know, um, what can we do? He, He nonchalantly, just leave your name and number, and we'll get to it on Tuesday. And I thought, dude. In all that time, Christy and I had already planned to have a rental car. We had an Uber getting us to an airport. I thought I was going to leave it there. We go get our stuff from the back lot where the tow truck was. And I'm getting ready to pay the tow truck driver. And I look, and there's this man named Jeff Pettyway. And we've got a picture of this man. But he was already off work. He was walking with his Mountain Dew bottle. On a Saturday, he's an Auburn fan. He was getting ready to watch football himself. I look over my shoulder. He's talking to Chrissy, and he goes, Ma'am, what's wrong with your car? And she told him, my husband thinks the water pump, da, da 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 And me, I'm just looking at all of it go down. So I get to him, and he goes, Hey, man, pop the hood. Pop the hood. So he pops the hood, looks at it. It's definitely the water pump. He goes, man, they wouldn't get you in? I said, no, they said they close at 3. It's, it's 2.40 now. He goes, come on, man. Let's go talk to them. I think I can do this in 30 minutes. So we follow. Pettyway was on his badge back to the service manager's desk, and he leans in the door. I don't know what he said to him, but evidently he uh, had some respect around there. And within 30 minutes, Chrissy and I had a water pump and we were back on the road. Service manager said it'd be $800, $150 part, but $800 with labor, which I thought was high, but I was willing to pay it. By the time the bill came, it was under $500. When Pettyway drove back up in our suburban I had $75 in my pocket and I gave it all to him. You know, we often find ourselves in parenting when it comes to parenting on the side of the road and in the ditch. And it feels like we're all alone without hope and we're not sure where to turn. But even in those times, we can experience the grace of God in a real, personal, powerful, and protective way. Parenting can be as overwhelming as breaking down on the side of the road. And often, hey, I'm going to say this, often as parents we take too much credit when our kids are doing good, and we take too much blame when our kids are doing bad. It's only by the grace of God... When our children are doing good. Our kids have the free will to make choices, even bad ones. And parents, I do have good news for you, whether you believe this or not. You are still your children's greatest influence. No matter what stage they're going through in life, you are still their greatest influence. And that's something that we should never forget. And no matter how overwhelmed we can get, we can still experience the grace of Jesus Christ. And it can be found in our relationship with Him. Hey, let's pray. Father God, Lord, would you speak through me? Lord, I don't want anything to do I just want to get out of the way and let you speak through your word. Lord, penetrate our hearts as parents and as a church. Lord, we have a generation to raise up. Lord, the generation that's coming up, they're not the future of the church, but they are the church. Help us do our part to raise them for Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanted to find a verse that had parenting all covered, and I really couldn't, so I found something that I think will cover it all. And if you turn in your Bibles, stand with me and let's read God's Word. Turn in your Bibles to John 15, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 6. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You may be seated. In this passage, Jesus uses the vine as a symbol. And it's a very familiar symbol in the Old Testament. There are grapevines everywhere in Israel. Even in the Old Testament, it uses the vine as a symbol to symbolize the relationship that God had with Israel. Israel. Psalms 88 80, 9 says, You dug up a vine from Egypt, you drove out nations and planted it. You cleared a place for it. You, it took root and filled the land. Even in the temple, there was a golden vine at the door that symbolized that Israel was God's chosen vine. But here Jesus is speaking to his disciples because he's preparing them because he's going to leave them. Here Jesus is teaching that he is the true vine, communicating the significance of Christians being rooted in him. As a parent, in order to bear spiritual fruit, our identification as a Christian... In order to bear spiritual fruit, our identification is in Jesus himself. It's not in Israel. It's not in who you are, who your parents are, where you came from, not in the church you attend. Your identification is in Christ alone. In this story, the branch symbolizes the disciples. Jesus is the vine, and God is the vine dresser. He's the one that prunes. And we know that when there are things in our life, unproductive growth, God's going to prune those things from our life so that we can bear fruit. This picture of the vine and branch emphasizes a full dependence and the need for constant connection. It's more than a sheep to a shepherd, a child to a father, A branch has to stay connected to the vine. Once the branch is separated. It can have the appearance of life. Leaves can still be on there for a time. But it's dead. And it can produce nothing for the kingdom of God. So for parents to produce. To have grace in parenting. There's three things we want to talk about. One. Remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Other Bible translations use the word abide. To stay, to remain. To remain in Jesus isn't a passive call for us as Christians. When I first hear of the word abide or to remain, I think of laying in a hammock and chilling. But to remain in Jesus, it's not a passive activity. Of relaxation, it's a very intentional, it's a very intentional act that we remain in Jesus. Being saved means we're united with Christ and He is in us. But this is a two-way relationship. We are also to remain in Him. We are to connect, depend, and continue with Jesus. You know, I've been at Peavine for some time as a youth pastor, and now I'm in a role as next gen. And man, I love it. I love it because now, from my early years as youth pastor, now I have kids that have kids in the children's departments and the nurseries. And then I think I'm like one or two years away, and I very possibly could have the first kid of one of my students in our youth group so it's a it's a it's a cool and crazy thing but I talk to I run into moms and dads in the community all the time and sometimes my heart's broken for them because when I talk to them I can see where yes I believe they're saved there was a time they came to Peavine there was a time that mom dad got saved kids got saved Jesus, I think, is in them, but they've stepped away from him and the church. Something came along, it could have been a job, it could have been life just happened and bitterness came in, but they've stepped away from church and now their kids don't want to have anything to do, sometimes even with them, sometimes, and most times the church. And I want to just say, hey, God was working in your life. There was a time when God was working and you stepped out. You stepped out. All you got to do is come back and step back in and get in with Jesus. Remaining in Jesus is a very intentional and active discipline. Christian disciplines to remain in Jesus are things like daily time in the Word of God. This passage talks about how the Word should stay in us. How the Word should stay in us. Things like going to church. You know, I've got a, I've got a coffee pot that grinds beans. And one thing I've grown to love, 5.30 every morning... My coffee machine is my alarm clock. I can hear the beans grinding in the kitchen. And I wake up and I just spend time reading my Bible. I read one chapter at a time. If there's something in that chapter in that book, I just underline it and I meditate on it. I, I, I chew on it throughout the day. I let it get in me so that it prepares me. God's word's offensive, like it tells me things I shouldn't be doing. It tells me things I should be doing. But when I start my day off, it prepares me to remain in Jesus. As a parent, this is our greatest weapon. Dads, we love to protect our homes. We love to protect our homes. But the Word of God is the thing that is your greatest offense and defense. It's the greatest thing you can ever have. To, and, but what you got to do is fall in love with it. Not as an act of duty. When I'm distracted and I don't get to spend time in the morning or I don't make it a priority, it's not that I sit around kicking myself feeling guilty, but man, I miss it. To make a decision to spend time in God's Word, in order to do that, you've got to make the decision the night before. You've got to make the decision the night before. That's why the night before I, make, I get my coffee already made and I program it. You've got to make that decision the night before. You have to have a plan to succeed. And if you don't have a plan, that's a plan just to fail. Fail. Yesterday, I smoked a brisket. I'm a big green egg guy. I, I smoke things on the grill all the time, and I had a brisket, and I smoked it on the brisket. I smoked it on the big green egg. I smoked the brisket on the brisket. How about that? Try that. Why don't you? But before I ever light the fire, I get the rub, and I rub it all. I cover the meat, and I cover it thick. I'm from South Mississippi, so I like flavor, you know? I grew up next to Louisiana. I like the flavor, so I rub the meat. And I do it early. And I let it sit because I want the flavor to get down in it. It's the same with God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating, as far as the separation of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You want to be transformed and experience the grace of God as a father or a mother? Make time, make it a discipline to get in His Word so that His Word gets in and penetrates every part of you. Making church a priority is a Christian discipline that keeps us connected to Jesus. And to other believers. Church must be the thing. Church must be the thing that we miss everything else for. Not the other way around. There are so many times that we have good reasons not to be in church. Whether it's sporting events. Whether it's travel. Whether it's I'm tired. But church should be the thing that we center everything around. When I was a a little boy, my grandfather, uh, Pop, was a fisherman, and he was a preacher. But he didn't believe, he was old school, he didn't believe in fishing on Sunday. So we couldn't fish on Sunday. But we'd sit all day, some days. And, you know... At 12 at night, as soon as 12.01 rolled around, sometimes we'd get in that Chevy Love truck and we'd drive to the lake and we'd fish all night. That was an awesome thing. But church Sundays should be a priority. Online's great. It was great during COVID. But there's something special about being here because you're sitting with brothers and sisters in Christ and you're realizing as a parent, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And we can share with one another. We can sharpen one another. Small groups is vital to your Christian life. Getting involved in a small group. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of, but encouraging each other And all the more, as you see the day approaching, being connected to the church is a way that we can be connected to Jesus. And it's something we shouldn't take for granted. To remain with Jesus, we are to connect with Jesus, depend on Jesus, and continue with Jesus. We also have to realize our limits. This passage tells us in John 15 that apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart means to be independent of, to be separate, to be alone. Remain in me and I in you. This is a relationship we have with Jesus. From the time I was in the fifth grade, my mother raised me as a single parent mom. She had no husband in the house. We had no father in the house. When I was going through my stages in middle, I guess junior high is what we called it, in high school, she would go and we had a counselor that would constantly tell her that she needed to find a man. Right? But my mom knew the man that she needed to be relying on because she realized where the power came from. And she was faithful to Jesus. Faithful to Jesus. She realized she had to rely on Jesus to raise her children. She remained faithful in Him. And I learned a lot in those early years. Man, if you're going through brokenness like that, I'm telling you what. If you don't allow bitterness to set in, and you just rely on Jesus, those can be the best of times, even in the worst of times. Because when you do that, you get to experience the power of Jesus in a real personal, powerful, and protective way. And parents, I'm going to tell you this, if a single mom can do it because she realized her limits, surely a couple that's together living for Jesus can do it. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Anytime we try to parent or anytime we try to do anything as Christians apart from Jesus, we are declaring our independence from God. You're declaring, God, I don't need you, I've got this. There's a lie that we as Christians say all the time and it's something we say to comfort one another and it's God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Hey, every aspect of your life is more than you can handle. And God allows us to go through things. God allows us to go through things because he wants us to depend on him. That's a lie. Parenting is no different. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. We can have a whole lot of activity and busyness, but apart from Jesus, there will be no spiritual fruit in our lives or our kids' lives. Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. God wants all those fruits in our lives and our children. Hey, comes down to this sometimes we just got to reorganize our priorities do you guys have regrets as parents we all do and remember i said sometimes we take too much blame right because here's the the beauty of of jesus in our life is jesus uses the best in us and the worst in us and he can make both of them come for the better and even in our kids right he can even use our weaknesses to make our kids better people And better followers of Christ. But five regrets of parents. Don't spend enough time with their kids. They compared their kids to other kids too often. That's the parent that's going, I wish my son played sports. I wish they did this. I wish they were in the band. But that that can be a regret. They don't save enough for college. I feel you. They put too much pressure on them too often. Some of the activities and all that we do, like it's good. But oftentimes, just the busyness of the activity is putting a lot of pressure on our children. They yelled too much and too loudly. That's what I call going dad mode on somebody, right? We've all gone dad mode. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you... Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. Paul's talking about two different things. He's talking about provoking children to wrath and bringing them up in the training of the Lord. There are some things that will destroy our children. One, criticism. Criticism kills the spirit. Criticism kills the spirit. There are things that just don't matter. Style, slang. I'm not talking about ugly words. I'm talking about slang words, you know. Um, I'm the youth pastor and I say dude a lot. So, you know, if we're, if we're getting in all worked up over dude, like that might be a battle you shouldn't be picking. You know, the way they dress... Like, there are times, and hey, at Peavine I do believe our kids' modest is always hottest. But other than that, like, sometimes it's okay to let them have their style. Choose your battles wisely. Constant criticism not only kills the spirit, but it's going to kill the communication between you and your children. If all they see is a critical critical parent, when something that really matters comes up, it's going to kill that communication. They're not going to want to bring it up because they already feel like they're not good enough for you. Over over strictness. And I'm good with boundaries and standards. I think it's important. But parenting sometimes is like grabbing a bar of soap. When you squeeze it too hard, you can't hold on to it. As parents and as our kids grow, we need to have a firm grip, but not too tight that they slip from our hands. Being overly strict sometimes hinders our kids in being able to make decisions. As parents, we need to raise them up to be adults. Like, we all like the the verse in James, Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. Like, sometimes those trials that our kids even get themselves into are good, healthy things. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be complete, mature, lacking nothing. We're all good with the consider it all joy part. But we don't like it when it's our kids going through the trials. But here's what I'm saying. We all want our children to be mature, complete, lacking nothing. As we're raising them, we have to allow them to make some mistakes. We don't want them to make the big ones. But it's a firm grip, but not too tight. We should train them to be adults. Inconsistency destroys kids. That's across the board. Inconsistency in character, inconsistency in expectations, inconsistency in your life, in my life, destroys our kids. Irritability. Irritability destroys our kids. It puts them on, like they're walking on eggshells, waiting for dad or mom to pop. You know, there's a saying, uh, sometimes at work, the dad can treat everybody at work on the level, but he comes home and he treats everybody else like the devil. Right? That shouldn't be us as Christians, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what we're looking for. Um, As parents, we set the tone for the house. As parents, we need to find ways to say yes to our children, even when we're wore out. It might be, hey, will you go throw the ball with me? You're sitting wore out. Find ways to say yes and do it anyway. So by nineteen, by two, two thousand fifty, it's reported that fifty thousand Gen Zers will leave the church. That's a crazy statistic. As youth pastors today, like youth pastors across the nat- nation, are seeing this as a great opportunity. Because, like we're we're seeing that we're now a post-Christian generation. We're a post-Christian generation, and we see it as a great opportunity. The greatest uh, mission field is the hearts and lives of Gen Z and younger. Not only are we calling, I'm not calling Gen Z, Gen Z. I call them the revival generation because we're seeing revival throughout the nation in pockets of kids turning to Christ. 78% of teenagers now, they want to live a life that's fulfilling and purposeful. And as the church, we can find that and we can capitalize on that because we can show them that fulfillment and that purpose can be found in Jesus Christ. You know, even at Peavine, we're we're experiencing that. Last year, from January to May, every Wednesday night we met, we had at least one student get saved every Wednesday night. We're seeing it. I can look out in the crowd at times, and I can see where a student started coming to Peavine. And from a student coming, their parents got saved, their family gets saved. Like, we're seeing that. Imagine revival, it always comes through young people. I say this, they're not the future of the church, they are the church. Imagine a revival, and imagine a revival that starts with you, with your family. Sometimes we've got to reorganize priorities. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's easy to let the distractions of the world take priority in our lives. Career, sports, travel, business. Shane Pruitt is the next-gen coordinator for the North American Mission Board. And he's coined something called the four-generation fade goes like this, parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. Kids grow up and make it less of a priority for their kids. Three, those kids grow up and make it no priority for those kids. Fourth generation, those kids grow up with no concept of God. From where I sit and what I see, we're on the third and fourth generation. Many kids now have no concept of God. One day our children are going to stand before God and they're not going to be judged according to their batting average, their GPA, or even the college go, they go through. They're going to be judged by what they did. Do they know Jesus as their Savior and what did they do to make Him known? Sometimes we got to re, reorganize priorities. In World War II, a uh, uh, plane, the b Seventeen was a bomber, the Flying Fortress, and it flew all through World War II. The cool thing about this, I recently read this, when we see movies of people, pilots and people in these planes, we see them running around, you know, smoking cigarettes, having a good time, but that's not the case. These planes were not pressurized, so when they were at 25,000 feet on their way to a mission, It was below freezing weather. Oftentimes, if if skin was exposed, they'd get frostbite. Like, the journey to the mission was a battle in itself. But they were trained to fly in formation. And any time they came under anti-aircraft fire, they were trained to go within formation, to stay in formation. The math was on their side. This plane could, could survive the flak that was coming their way many times. But here's what the flak was. It was a distraction. And what, what, that, what the anti-aircraft uh, anti artillery was for was to break the formation. And once a plane left the formation of the fleet, That's when the German fighters would attack it and take it down. So they learned to stay steady and stay within the formation. As parents, we can understand that. As Christians, we can understand that. Remain in me. When we talk about staying to the vine, there's a formation that God's called us to, to cling to him and remain with him. Stay in formation. Don't waver. Don't waver. We do have an enemy and he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants that for our families. But as parents, we're in the cockpit. And we just need to remain in Jesus. Where where are you? Where are we as a church? As a parent, we can relate to that. Sometimes the journey's tough. And sometimes our kids make really bad, dumb decisions. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. I say this to parents all the time. You can't judge a product by what you have today. But you've got to stick to the process. And hopefully, eventually, in time, it's going to come. To experience the grace of Jesus to become part of the vine the first thing you have to do is make him lord and savior as a parent you can't raise your kids without Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians 5:21 says he made the one who did not know to be sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God do you need to make Jesus Christ your lord and savior Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. The penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then Romans 10.9 and 10 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. If you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it's as easy as ABC. A, you have to admit you're a sinner. B, believe Christ died on the cross, that he rose again, he did it for you, and then confess him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer right where you're at. Y'all stand with me. If you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, pray this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. Father, forgive me. I want you to save me. I'm no longer going to live for myself, but I'm going to follow and trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, nobody's looking around, just take that connection card right where you're at and put on that check. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now, church, I'm going to ask us to do something as parents. I'm going to ask us, as parents and as a church, even as a church, we've committed to raising these kids for Christ. I'm going to ask you, you can bring your family to the altar, you can bring the As a church, come to the altar and let's pray for our students. Pray for our children. Father God, Lord, we love you. I pray, Father, that we not just be hearers of your word, but we be doers of it as well. Lord, for those already coming to pray for our students. Lord, help us as a church and as families in the church to lead our children. To be followers of Jesus Christ, to be committed followers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nathan, for that incredible message. And what a great reminder
0: that we, we work really hard at parenting. We try our best. We want our kids to come out good. Um, and sometimes we make mistakes. And the truth is, God's grace is there for us, even when we mess up as a parent. And I needed to hear that message this morning. Morning, maybe for you there's no help for you as a parent because you don't have a relationship with jesus and pastor nathan talked about the importance of being grounded in your faith as a parent and um and and so that begins with you understanding that you're a sinner uh, you've offended god with your sin your sin has separated you from god and there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to fix that separation But God loved us and sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. If we're willing to admit that we're sinners, if we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and we confess Him as our personal Lord and Savior, we will be saved. And you begin that relationship with Him. If God's spoken to your heart and you need to start a relationship with Jesus this week, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to come into my heart through the power of your Holy Spirit. Take away my sin. Be my savior. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and on the third day, you rose again. Lord, I ask you now to be my savior in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you meant it, I want to say welcome to the family. We want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. So click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box. that says, I commit my life to Christ. And um, we're going to connect with you this week. Hey, it's been awesome to be together. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.